Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, we're reading from Ephesians 5, 1 to 14. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. It is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous, that is, adulterer, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfaithful words, unfruitful words, <laughs> works, well, okay, of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that, are, that they do in secret. But when everything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Thanks, Kate. Okay, how are we going? Good. So, so far on camp, we've talked about the unity in which we walk, the maturity in which we use our gifts to build up one another in love. We've talked about how the old has gone and the new has come. And you might have noticed as we've gone through Ephesians that Paul uses these contrast these oppositional terms throughout. He says, you who were far are near. You who were dead are alive. The old has gone, the new has come. And in this passage today, he says, you were darkness, now you are light. Today we're going to We're going to build on last night and a number of you, I think, drew some lines in the sand and said, yep, this is some old stuff, some old thinking, some old things, some old ways of understanding myself and God and the things that are going on in my life and I want God to make them new. And so this morning's where the rubber hits the road a little bit and we're going to dig into some of those old things. We're going to talk about what God wants to do with them. And the passage starts by saying this. So Paul says, therefore. So what's he just, he's just talked about walking in maturity. He's just talked about walking in unity. He's just talked about you have life. He's just talked about the fact that the new has come. So in light of all of that, therefore, 
be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. He starts this part of the letter with a reminder, you are children of God. You are children of God. You are children of God. He reminds them that and then he launches into some heavy things. But it's important first that we sit in that and we remember we are children of God. We seek to imitate our Father in heaven. We learn from him. We follow him. We seek to please him. And we don't do that to become his children. We do that because we are his children. You're going to hear me talk about this all the time. We don't work to get into the house. We work from the house. You don't earn your place as a child of God. He has adopted you. He has chosen you. You are his child. He loves you. Know that. And now do some stuff without pressure because he is for you. And we've got to sit in that a little bit this morning and know that because otherwise what I'm about to share is just going to feel like work, 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 work. And it's going to feel like old, old, old. But that's not what this is. So know that you are his child. Part of being a child, according to the Bible, the Old Testament and the law and the teachings of Jesus and the letters, part of being a child is obeying your parents. And as Christians, as children of God, there is a call in our lives to obey our Father. Again, not to earn his approval, not to earn salvation or earn anything, but to obey him because we love him and we trust him and because he's not holding out on you because he has the best for us, because his face is towards us and his design for us is good. So we imitate him and we obey him because we trust him. And if you're here this morning, you're like, I don't know if I trust God, then I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work right now. That people would know that they are loved. They would know that they are secure. They would know that they are your children. They would know they are loved, they're forgiven. Amen. Obeying God's not about being sinless. It's not about being perfect. It's about the posture that we walk. It's about looking to Christ in the struggle and going, yeah, I'm not where I want to be maybe, but I'm moving towards God and he is making me new and his mercy is new every morning. It's about a posture that agrees with God. We use this word repentance. The Greek word is metanoia, which means change mind. So we don't necessarily, our actions might not catch up with our mind for a little while. But if your mind is changed to God, then you are walking with him and you are walking in the light. So today we're going to talk about sexual sin. Because our culture has this wrong. Our culture has sex wrong. And if the only place that you are getting your education on sex and sexuality is culture, then we need to lift our game in the church. 
because God's design for this is perfect. God's design for this is good. God's given us sex and sexuality as a gift. He didn't have to give us that gift, but he did. And he instated it and he made it in a way that is good. And like so many of the things that God made for good, the enemy would use for ill. And there are some areas right now around this that are just the devil's playground. And they are dark places. And so tonight we're trusting, this morning, sorry, we're trusting what the word says that we were darkness, but now we're light. So we're going to shine Jesus' light in some of those dark things. And with everything, we're going to look back to what it says at the start of Ephesians 4 when Paul talks about the way we walk. And this is the way we walk in all things, in all areas of life, but particularly today, the way we walk in these areas of sex and sexuality is this, it's lowliness, it's gentleness, it's patience, and it's forbearance. Knowing that in lowliness, we give nothing to God, we have nothing to offer, we come empty and he gives us everything. That it's by his grace we are able to do anything. With gentleness, gentleness with one another, but also gentleness with ourselves. Because as we just sung, our God is a lion who is ferocious and protective and deals harshly with sin, but he is a lamb who is gentle and kind and loving with his children. So we're going to sit in that. And finally, just before I launch in John 1, it says, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So you've received grace upon grace upon grace. The standard that Jesus calls us to is impossible, but his mercy is unfathomable. He is for you in this. He loves you in this. So let's shine some light. When I was around seven, I went on a family holiday. We went to the beach. And um, it, was a, it was a Tasmanian beach, so it wasn't a very nice beach. It was very, pe- very pebbly. But there was kind of, because I was one of four and it was the 90s, my parents were kind of just like, eh, just go and do whatever. Um, I was the oldest boy, so they're like, you'll sort yourself out. You're seven, come on. Um, <laughs> go and get, you know, fish and chips for everyone. But... At the beach, there was kind of these two areas. So there was this lagoon that was very calm, worryingly warm, (laughs) quite still, in fact. Might have been, I don't know what it was. But anyway, there was this lagoon. And then on the other side, there's this sandbar. And on the other side of the sandbar is is the ocean. And the ocean there was fairly fairly rough. Um, And so as, as young kids, without supervision, mum and dad would say, well, you can swim in the lagoon as much as you want. It's warm. You're not going to drown, hopefully, and it'll be fine. You might get bitten by some slugs or get leeches on you or something, but 
you know, you're not in the ocean. Um, and so I went in the lagoon for a while and it was so lame. <laughs> and the water was brown. <laughs> it's just like, like you couldn't see your feet and it's only like thigh deep. <laughs> so it's gross. It's probably runoff or something. But it's Tasmania, so it's all good. Um, and, and so I was in the lagoon. I was like, this, this sucks. <laughs> I don't want to be in this lagoon. It's safe, sure, but I'm not really enjoying it. And so um, looking over like the sandbar, I could see that like all these older kids, teenagers and stuff like splashing in the waves. And I was like, oh, I want to go over there. So I, started, like, I kind of went, started going over there. They were all in the wavy bit. But next to that, on the other side of the flag, was this really nice calm bit. And I was like, I'm going to go swimming in that bit. Because <laughs> the waves look a little bit hectic. I don't want to get, like, donked in the face by a bodyboard. So, so I went into this, um, this really nice, calm, still patch of ocean. Um, and sort of started, you know, walking in. And then found that the pace with which I was walking increased quite rapidly. Um, to the point that I was no longer walking and was, in fact, being carried. And it's sort of, I was in a rip and I was getting taken out. And um, I can remember this still, that as a seven-year-old, I thought I was going to die because I was getting sucked further and further out. And for a while, I could sort of like duck underwater and kick off the bottom and like <gasps> get a breath. But then like I tried to do it and I couldn't find the bottom. And I was sort of just floundering. And I remembered my, my life, my, my, you know, my surf life-saving training. And I stuck my hand up. But at that point, I was drowning. And I think some of you today might feel like that that you are drowning, that you are stuck, that there is no way out for yourself, that you're getting pulled deeper and deeper into sin and you don't know what to do about it. Paul says, but sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. And then he says this, and it's an absolute warning. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So Paul is writing this to the Ephesians because obviously they had an issue with this area of sexual sin. And there's a warning here that if you are unrepentant, and that's the, that's, there's an emphasis, if you are unrepentant in those sins, you could be in trouble. Not only that, they were, they were listening to what other people were saying, to what the world was saying, and the world was saying, this is fine. This is, don't, this is fine. It doesn't matter. It's all good. And the church was being deceived around this. The Bible teaches really clearly about sex and sexuality if we want to look at it. And we'll start with the heavy and then, and then we'll talk about where this goes. But the Bible teaches that sexual behavior outside marriage is a sin. The Bible teaches that. 
and the church has affirmed that throughout its history. We might like to try and find a way around that, but God's design is that sex is in marriage. That's his plan. That's his design. He's done that because marriage is a covenant between two people and God that says we are connected and we are committed and we are faithful. And it is a picture of what Christ is like with his church. Intimate, loving, close. Viewing pornography is a sin. Lust is a sin. Coveting someone else's girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or wife is a sin. And unrepentance in those sins is a dangerous place to be before a holy God. It's not as though God is unwilling to forgive those sins. Of course he is. The cross tells us that there is forgiveness and there is grace and there is mercy for all sins that are repented of, that our minds are changed towards Christ in. And if you're in that and there is a struggle and it's hard and there's a battle and you wish it was over, that is a good sign because it means your heart is still soft. And it means that you know there's something in you, the spirit that is in you is saying, this is not where God wants me to be. And his freedom is available. That struggle is different to the person who might say, yeah, sins are bad, but no one's perfect. Or, well, yeah, like I shouldn't look at porn, but at least I'm not selling crack cocaine. Or the person who says, well, everyone does it. Like everyone's doing it. Look at the stats. So like it can't be bad if everyone's doing it. God wouldn't let that happen, right? Or the person who says, yeah, like we should save sex till marriage, but we're going to get married anyway. So what does that matter? We've been dating for like six months. We're committed. That is a different attitude to the one who is struggling and who is repentant. And I just pray, if you're in that place and there is a hardness of heart, that God would soften your heart now in Jesus' name. And you would hear this. This is not a word of condemnation. This is a word of conviction. There's a difference. Condemnation says you're going to hell. Conviction says return to the one who loves you. The greatest commandment is this, that we would love the Lord with all our hearts and all our minds and all our soul and all our strength. That's impossible, but that's what our movement should be towards. And if we hold one of those attitudes that I mentioned before, one of those justifications, one of those loopholes, we have to look at ourselves and look at our heart and say, am I actually trying to obey my father or have I become God? Am I trying to pursue righteousness? So what do we do about this? I've done enough research and I've also been a high school teacher. So I know that this is a big issue. 
I know that statistically there will be a number of you guys and girls in this room for whom this is a big issue. We always talk about how porn is a, a male problem. It's not anymore. It's just a problem. I'm also aware that young couples, if you're dating, the temptation on this is so big. Someone once told me that the devil does everything he can to try and get couples who aren't married to have sex and then everything he can to try and get couples that are married to not have sex. Because he's just like, God's given you this gift, so I'm going to tell you lies about it. It's more fun in the dark. It's more fun in secret. Marriage is boring anyway. But they're lies. And they're the same lies that he, that he was telling the church in Ephesus. He's not very creative, but he's good at lying. Verse uh, 8, 9 and 10 says, Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. Because when darkness is exposed to light, it goes. Darkness and light cannot exist together. And what Paul is saying to the Ephesians is, you were darkness, but you are light. So what Christ has done in you is actually turned the light on. He's actually transformed your very nature. And that's why when you're stuck in this stuff, there is a wrestle, there is a jarring, there is a discomfort because your nature in Christ is light. And light and darkness can't coexist. And the Bible tells us that the light overcomes the darkness. Jesus, the light of the world who came into the world has overcome. But when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. You are alive, but the devil wants you to think you're dead. You are light, but the devil wants you to think you're dark. You are new but the devil wants you to think you are old, you are adopted, but he wants you to think you are alienated. Don't believe those lies. Hear the truth. You're a child of God. Your nature, your very nature has been transformed. So don't walk in darkness anymore. Get Jesus involved. That's the, that's the advice. <laughs> Get Jesus involved in the mess because his mercy is there. His grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in weakness. Where we are weak, he is strong. And sometimes we have to admit it and say, I am weak. I cannot resist temptation. Lord, I need you. And maybe some of you already been trying that and you're like, yeah, but like this has been my life for the last 10 years. I don't know what to do about it. Maybe you have to get really biblical about it. 
Jesus says in Matthew 5, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you would lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Jesus is pretty serious about this, right? I know a guy who was so sick of porn. He was so sick, but he felt so trapped in it. One night he snapped his phone in half, went and spoke to his parents about it. <laughs> Yuck, right? Ooh, that's awkward. Yeah. But he was, he's like, nah, if I don't do something radical about this, it's going to continue to control me. If I go, oh, well, maybe I'll just, I'll just resist tonight at 11.30 p.m. when I'm tired and my defences are down. He knew that wasn't going to work anymore. Are you so attached to your sin that you couldn't bear the thought of going without a phone in your bedroom or unlimited Wi-Fi or a laptop? Wouldn't it be better to get rid of that than to be separated from Christ? That's inconvenient, right? But sometimes that's what we're called to do is hard things to deal with the big things. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. If this sin in your life causes you anguish and it causes you sorrow and it turns you to God and it turns you to repentance, then that is a good thing. If it makes you feel self-pity and like you are not good enough and like you're unworthy, then it's just going to keep spiralling. You have to agree with God on this matter. You have to change your mind on this. It says, leads to salvation and leaves no regret. So it means that you walk in salvation free of regret, free of bondage, free of shame in the life that Christ has paid for you on the cross. That's what he's given us. He, like we've got it, we just don't walk in it. And we, we think we don't, but we do. We have freedom. Our sin should offend us. Because if you're a Christian, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. And in John 16, Jesus says, one of the reasons that the Holy Spirit is coming is to convict the world of sin. So you should feel convicted about this stuff. So repent. Because there is hope. Now, I'm not... Some kind of, I'm not an addiction recovery coach. I'm not, um, I don't have the answers. So if you're at that point, if, if, if it's gone beyond a habit 
or if it's gone beyond um, something that you've dabbled in and it's become full-blown and it's controlling you. And you've tried to do those radical things like internet, phone, whatever, and that's not working and you've confessed it and you're still stuck. We've got, we've got help. Our church has really good connections to addiction recovery counselling. That's, like I said last night, God is deeply spiritual but powerfully practical. So for some of you, it might be the point where you have to go, yep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and say, Luke, you're confidential so I can tell you this. I'm addicted. I can't get out of it. And we'll say, okay, let's connect you with someone who has the skills, the knowledge and the resources to help you move out of it and to walk free from it because you can. Because some of you have believed the lie that this is something you're going to always struggle with. But that's not true. That is a lie. And if you believe the lie, it might become your reality, but it is a lie. You can be free. Young couples, if you've been together for a while and you've already fallen in this area, then go Speak to an older couple that you trust and get their help. Get them involved. Get them to support you. One of the best things that we did before we were married is had pre-marriage counselling. If you're, even if you're not engaged yet, but you think you're going to move towards that, get, get help, get advice. It's hard. It's really hard. You know it is. So get people that you trust involved to help you walk that journey. Don't do it alone. As we've been talking about, we're made for unity. We're made for community. We're made to do this together. And when we're isolated in these things, they rule us. But when we bring them into the light and we bring them into trust and into relationship with our brothers and sisters, then these things can't hold us down. When I was seven and I was drowning and I thought I was dead, it's a scary thought as a seven-year-old to just go, oh, I'm going to die. I was swallowing seawater and I was just like, this, I'm done. Obviously, I'm here, so. But a stranger, this man, popped up next to me, grabbed me held me up, lifted me out of it, faced me towards the beach. Running from the beach was my father. His arms were wide. He was running towards me. This man gave me to him. That's what Jesus has done. He's come to you where you're drowning, where it's messy, and He lifts you up and He shows you where you belong. He shows you your Father who loves you, who is towards you who welcomes you home and says, it's okay, I've got you. The gospel is so good. It says to the person who is stuck, there is a way out. It says to the person who knows they're a sinner, there is new life, there is hope. It says to the person who is dead, I can make you alive. It says to the addict, there is freedom. 
It says to the person who's stuffed up in this area, I will make all things new. Hear this. There is grace for you. There is mercy for you. There is forgiveness for you. Turn to God in these things. Bring them into the light. Expose the works of darkness so that the devil would no longer be able to hold you down. Christ died for this stuff. He was serious about it. He was so serious about sin that he hung on a cross knowing full well that you couldn't bear the weight of it, knowing full well that we can't do it. And that it was never meant for us to do it. Don't believe the lie that you have to struggle with this on your own. Don't believe the lie that God's grace will run out. He keeps coming. He keeps healing. He keeps renewing. His mercies are new every morning. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You are his child. When we're stuck in these sins, we can't love another properly. We can't love one another properly. It ruins marriages. It ruins the way that we view men. It ruins the way we view women. It, it distorts what we think sex is about. It distorts what we think intimacy is about. It, it ruins all those things. So we need to deal with this stuff in the church so that we can walk in love together and that so we can show the world how good our Father is. That, yeah, we don't have it all together, but we know the one who does. Robin, can you come up? Can you pray for our young men? And Debbie, can you come up in a minute and pray for our young women as well? Let's bow together and just acknowledge the love of our Father, the one who's in whose presence uh, we are gathered today. Father, I want to thank you that you've created us as relational people in your image and for the gift of our sexuality. Help us as guys not to believe the lie that love is defined by sexual fulfilment or the lie that everybody is doing it. Thank you, Father, that you have shown us what true love is when you sought our good in this life and the next life by coming and giving your life for us. Help us as guys not to be selfish and focused on uh, fulfilling our desires, but focused on the good and well-being of the other person in all we do and say in all our relationships. Help us, Father, to show respect for women in all our words and actions. As it says in 1 Timothy 5.2, may young men uh, treat younger women as sisters in all purity. Thank you, Father, that you reminded the self-righteous that even to lust in our heart is adultery in your eyes. And we thank you for your grace and forgiveness for when we have sinned against you and other people in this way. May our desire to know you purify us from sins of the heart as we find joy in your love and grace to us. May the power of your love transform our hearts so we live lives of purity and joy in every relationship. I pray, Father, that the power and conviction of the Holy Spirit, that we will have boundaries on our actions and behaviour that express true love and respect for you and for other people. Thank you that to feel loved and accepted for who we are and to feel safe in a relationship is more satisfying than sexual fulfilment.
May we not undermine this joy in our relationships by seeking momentary satisfaction that puts these things at risk. Thank you, we are forgiven, loved and accepted by you, that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And Father, may this reality empower us to live with purity, freedom and joy in every relationship. We pray in Jesus' powerful name and all God's people said, Amen. It's a great privilege to pray with our young women. I hope I can get through it without crying. <laughs> a bit emotional. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much that you are here with us. I thank you that as um, the Apostle Peter said, you are the chief shepherd, the good shepherd and the overseer of our souls. So Jesus, I thank you that you are the shepherd and the overseer of the soul of every young woman in this room and, of course, of every young man and older woman and older man. Jesus, but I pray particularly right now for our young women. Lord, our culture is so, so difficult. Um, Father, I often feel for the young people of today in the culture that they live in compared to when I was their age. It's just everywhere, all this... Um, immorality and father it must come against them so often so I do pray for our young women I pray that they will just long to have purity of heart mind and body Um, I pray that um, when they do struggle Lord with with impure thoughts and desires that you will come quickly to them that as Luke has said that they will know immediately to turn to you for help I pray that as stuff in the world comes against them, Lord, give them wisdom, give them um, courage and strength to just turn that TV thing off that they're watching or what they're looking at online, what they read. Lord, help them not to find their minds, to fill their minds with these unhelpful images and behaviours. Father, when they are tempted when these things are really coming against them. Come to them, Lord. Tell them again that um, no one is tempted beyond what they are able to uh, bear so that they can again come to you. You've given us a way out through Christ Jesus. So may our young women know what it is to come to you when they're feeling tempted, not to feel guilty about it, but to just simply come to you again and say, Lord, it's happening again, I'm being tempted, please help me. Father, I pray for those who at the moment are single, that not in a relationship, I pray um, a special um, blessing upon them, Lord. I know that sometimes that's difficult. So may you be all in all to them at this time. May they actually use this time of their lives to really focus on you, to grow in you, to see what you would um, have them do in the, in the kingdom work in this time of their life. Help them not to be jealous of friends that um, may be in a relationship or are married, but just to be rest in you at this period of their life, Lord. I pray for those who are not yet married but are in a relationship, Lord. I pray for these young women that they will respect themselves, that they will respect their uh, boyfriend or fiance, and they will um, live, Lord, in this relationship in the way that you want them to live, as we have heard this morning. 
I pray that you'll give them self-control um, in this relationship. And Father, for uh, our young women who are married, may you bless and strengthen them in their marriage relationship. Um, may their marriage uh, be truly one where you are there in the midst and that um, you are their sure foundation. And may they do all they, they can to keep their marriage pure and holy in your sight. And may their marriage be a, a, um, a sanctity for other people, Lord, who can, because there is something so beautiful and so precious about uh, a true marriage in your sight, Father. Lord, I pray for our young women uh, in their workplaces, uh, in, the, in their friendship with non-Christians, um, in their study places. They may be laughed at. They may be ridiculed for living this way. So please strengthen them in that, Lord. Give them courage to stand firm even if they are ridiculed. And if they have conversations that come up about, why do you live like that? Lord, give them the, the words to speak, your words, Lord. May they shine like stars in their workplaces and may, may the purity of Christ in them really impact their friends. Um, yeah, in, in a really good way, Father. And I just pray again, Lord, as we've heard from Luke this morning, that if they have uh, struggling in any way with feeling guilty and shameful, let them know again, Father, that you have completely forgiven them. And if they fail again, <laughs> help them not to be ashamed in that, but to again repent and come back to you, ask for your full forgiveness and to be completely restored in you. Father, we, we do love and appreciate all our young people so much and I do thank you for them and I often see in them just the beauty of Christ, the wholesomeness of Christ uh, when I, you know, see those who don't know Christ. And I just thank you so much for each one, Lord, in this room and for those in our community that were not able to be here. And that in a very special and wonderful way, you will fill their hearts and minds and souls with the purity and the beauty of Jesus Christ. And we ask this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Young people, there are generations in our church that stand with you, that are for you. Go to them for wisdom. Some of our older people pray ceaselessly. If you give them something to pray for, you can bet that it won't just be a, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. It will be a, yes, I will pray for you. And they will be on their knees before our Father on your behalf. Yeah. So don't do it alone. Yes, there is unity together as a generation, but we need to be unified as the church. Can I just get the band up? We will sing a couple of songs to close, but I'm going to read Psalm 51. It's the psalm that David wrote and sang after he was convicted of his sin of taking another man's wife, murdering her husband and all the mess that happened with that. And he prays this beautiful prayer. So let's read it together. Have mercy on me, O God according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly 
from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing Spirit, that I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return from you. Deliver me from guilt, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. So Lord, we just pray this prayer that you would create in us clean hearts. That you would restore to us the joy of your salvation. That we wouldn't walk heavy and burdened, but with a lightness of step and a joy and a gladness in our hearts, for we who were dead are alive. For we who were darkness are light. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.